0: Welcome to Inquiring Minds, the Writing and Literacy SIG podcast. My name is Kylie Pulfus, and I am your host for this episode. The Writing and Literacy SIG podcast aims to highlight scholarship, discuss contemporary issues, and engage in conversation with SIG members in the greater writing and literacies field. Through a robust dialogue, we hope to ignite nationwide discussion amongst faculty and graduate students concerning topics that are timely and pertinent to the scholarship of writing, literacies, and the broader field of education. In honor of I Love to Write Day, observed every November 15th, we have invited two incredible scholars who are directors of writing project sites, and therefore well-versed in the importance of writing to share their insights about the state of writing instruction. The National Writing Project is the nation's largest network of educators working together through local writing project sites to improve the teaching of writing and learning in schools and communities nationwide. Our guests are exemplary directors in the network. Dr. Tanya B. Perry is the Vice Provost and Faculty Affairs Administrator at Miles College in Fairfield, Alabama, outside of Birmingham, Alabama. She is the Director, for the Red Mountain Writing Project, which started in 2004. She also serves on the National Writing Project Board of Directors. Her research centers children, families, and communities that are often marginalized. Her most recent book was co-authored with two other writing project directors, Steve Zimmelman and Katie Smith in Chicago. The book entitled, Teaching for Racial Equity, Becoming Interrupters, is a collection of ideas and practical strategies that teachers, students, and communities can employ to create more equitable spaces. Writing is central to this work of learning and changing oneself, working with others, and teaching our young scholars. Dr. Margaret Mary Solintic-Dahl is Professor of Literacy, Leadership, and Urban Education, School of Education, College of Human Sciences and Education at Louisiana State University in Baton Rouge. Solintic-Dahl is Director of the LSU Writing Project. Her research agenda includes three strands focused on literacy in urban settings, specifically the complexities of literacy leadership, providing access to literature, writing, and the arts, and service learning as a pathway to preparing pre-service teachers to teach literacy authentically in urban environments. Sylintic Dow is a career educator, spending the majority of her 20-year public school teaching experience in Iowa, Minnesota, Mississippi, and most recently serving public education as assistant superintendent of 64 elementary campuses in the East Baton Rouge Parish school system in Louisiana. Sulintik Dahl has been nationally recognized for her scholarship and teaching, most recently being honored by LSU as a Senior Rainmaker in 2022. And she was recognized by the Louisiana Endowment for the Humanities as the Light Up for Literacy awardee in 2019. Sulintik Dahl co authored Productivity and Publishing Writing Processes for New Scholars and Researchers from SAGE 2022 to assist novice academics and researchers with demystifying scholarly academic writing. Her favorite saying, write on. I could have spent hours listening to these brilliant women talk about how writing connects us, heals us, and challenges us, while also sharing effective, authentic, and affirming writing instruction practices. Enjoy. I am pinching myself that I get to be in conversation with two incredible educators who are not only brilliant writers, but they are also brilliant teachers of writers. And they are Dr. Tanya B. Perry and Dr. Margaret Mary Solintic Dow. They have graciously joined us today to share their stories and their insights about their times as leaders um, at sites for the National Writing Project, and also to share their thoughts about uh, the state of writing instruction currently in schools and where they think it's going in the future. So I would like to say thank to you both. Thank you both for being here today. So my first question I have for you is, uh, you know, over the course of our lives, we interact with writing in so many different ways. And very often we come across a text that leaves an indelible mark on our spirits that we carry with us forever. Uh, and so my question is, is there a piece of writing that you've encountered that has had a major impact on you i'm going to i'm going to ask you to start first dr perry please
1: well thank you for having us today i really appreciate this and i'm very honored so let me just start with that um and the the opportunity to be with my colleague in the field and in the work i i really appreciate her saying yes too Uh, because she could have said no but she said yes i really appreciate it so you know when you're talking about piece of work has left uh, a mark on me um let me just start from a, a teacher standpoint i've been doing a lot of reading and revisiting of cultivating genius by goldie muhammad and uh this idea of being able to put joy into our work you know this idea of being able to still teach, you know, with skills and understanding. Um, but the, this this last tenet of joy, I think we had been ignoring for a while. We've been going through uh, teaching in a way that perhaps wasn't as joyful as it should and could be. So that has really left a mark on me and um, thinking about uh, reframing education in a way in which uh, joy is also just as important as the skills and the other things that we include in the development of curriculum. And, and I will say specifically our writing. You know, there've been times in which uh, in my career that I'm not proud of where I don't know that I addressed the joy of writing as much as trying to do the drill and skill. But when I found that I flipped that with the joy and the connection was there, um, uh, so much more fulfilling and impactful the writing was from my students and even from myself. And so I, I, I really think that that piece of writing has had an impact on me from being a teacher, that standpoint. Um, and then, you know, other things that have fed me, I just love poetry. And when I think about uh, from my own standpoint and being fulfilled, my um, Angelou's work, on Letters to the Daughters, um, I think that that has really had an impact on me and, and looking at uh, just some other pieces of poetry over this time period has really fed me you know we've been in a pandemic you know we've been away from each other uh, face to face but some things have been discovered the things that we can do digitally and the connections that we can still make and then my reconnection with poetry has been really important to me and so uh some of um uh uh, poetess maya angelou's work has really spoken to me uh, even through the pandemic and just revisiting just a how important her words have been uh, to me, uh, you know, still I rise, phenomenal woman. And these are things that I had known before, but just going back to that, that was so important um, as I needed to find my own inspiration while we were apart from each other. And, I, and what do you think about that? Uh, Ma- uh, Margaret Mary, uh, what, what about for you? Well, I,
2: I, I'm also just thrilled to be here. Um, And to have this conversation with you. Um, And I loved what you said about poetry, because I struggled with this question. Um, I thought, one piece, boy, there's so many pieces that have been inspirational to me. Um, So several years ago, um, when we lost Maya, it was right in the middle of a writing project, a summer writing project. Um, And I remember coming in that morning and... My colleague at the time, you know, kind of hugged me and she goes, have you heard? And I said, I know. And we started to cry and she said, we don't even know her. And I said, but her words have inspired us and have inspired other writers. Um, I also think about some of the people that have shaped me as an educator. And so I would be remiss if I didn't talk about the work of Don Graves. Um, I would be remiss if I didn't talk about the work of um, Nancy Atwell. Um, Her book, In the Middle, sort of rocked my world um, when I was an educator and I was transitioning into academia. Um, But also, I'm so inspired by absolutely everything that Alfred Tatum writes. And there is an educator at the University of New Mexico, um, Rich Meyer. And when he wrote his book about counter-narratives... I had this huge aha moment that there were ways to write back um, stories and write back into um, to go against this formulaic type of writing that has been imposed on us from so many directions. So I have a hard time narrowing things down. I have to also talk about my absolute favorite author, and that's Louise Erdrich. Um, And her book, The Master Singing Butcher Club, made me laugh out loud at the end. And that's always stuck with me. And I sometimes go back and just read like the last four
0: pages
2: because I need a good laugh. So um, I feel blessed to have had so many um, mentors on the page, which is what I like to call people that I perhaps have not met but feel like I know and can talk about them, Um, but also people locally that have inspired me. Um, so I'll just I'll just kind of end with that, with those people that I sort of went, went around the world with.
0: I love that. Oh, I loved it too. I, just listening to you. Of course, the three of us have such a deep respect for Maya Angelou, and and I remember the day that she died. I was I was heartbroken. Mm-hmm it was the day after my birthday. So I always remember May 28th, 2014, and I was pregnant with my now eight-year-old. And I was like, what do I need to do to make sure that Naomi loves Maya Angelou the way that I do? And um, she is also the person, when I think about the piece of writing that has had a major impact on me. I read an excerpt of, I Know Why the Cage Bird Sings when I was in the eighth grade. And my teacher said, pick your favorite sentence, and I remember thinking that's like picking a needle in a needle stack, like there, you can't go wrong with any sentence that you pick, but uh, it was so beautiful, and I still, after I read that, said, I'm going to be a writer. And I still use that excerpt to this day with young writers as mentor texts. So thank you for that and for showing the strength in writing, how it connects us um, because I absolutely also all the other people that you mentioned, I was like, yep, love them, love them, love them. (laughs) So they're fantastic. Thank you for sharing those insights. And I hope people are making a running list if they haven't read those books and those texts before. So We are connected there, of course, but then you also share another connection and that you are both leaders of our writing project site. So tell me, uh, what made you decide to take on that role? Uh, Dr. Salita Dow, can you start us off? Sure,
2: um, I had always eyed that position from afar. And um, when I first moved to Louisiana, so I'm originally from the Midwest, um, from the great state of Iowa, Northeast Iowa, and my first foray to the South was to Hattiesburg, Mississippi. And after three years at the University of Southern Mississippi, um, I sort of took a plunge and I moved to Baton Rouge, Louisiana, um, but not in higher ed. I was the assistant superintendent of 64 elementary schools. And one day um, I got a call from LSU and it was the writing project director, and she came to see me, and she said, "I want to provide some really good professional development for teachers in in your district." And so, you know, I want to take you back to the early two thousands. Um, there was a lot more uh, federal dollars um, flowing into school districts that was somewhat unrestricted; it wasn't tied to Um, No Child Left Behind or um, Every Student Succeeds Act. Uh, There were less strings attached to it. And so I had known about writing projects, of course. Um, And so she basically came and said, can you support us? And I just remember thinking, I want to be part of this. I don't just want to support you financially. Um, I never would have imagined that I would have left that position and gone back into higher ed. Um, That's kind of a a strange career move. But the minute that I landed at LSU in 2006, I just said to myself, I am going to figure out if I have to claw my way in, how I can be more a part of the writing project. And that opportunity presented itself when the current director at the time retired. And I just went into um, the director of the School of Ed and I said, I want to do this. And he said, you know, I'm a reading person, and this is going to sound terrible. I really don't care about writing. I do, but I'm just a reading person. And so if you want it, you can have it. And that was like music to my ears um, because I became much more connected to writing and much more connected to teachers writing through that process. Um, so I sort of had my eye on the prize for a long time, and now that I'm here, um, I've been able to shift um, the way that the writing project um, had been delivering content. And that was the people at the university were the experts and we were sort of transmitting our knowledge. And so I went with a much more community-based model. And um, my co-director right now is a teacher, is in the community, is not in higher ed. And I think that's made for a richer kind of um, experience for teachers uh, when we do our Invitational Summer Institute. So, um, Tanya, I'm dying to hear about how you you came into your position.
1: Well, uh, Margaret Mary, it, it was, I wish I could say that I had been eyeing this position, but I came in. Uh, quite differently, so uh, our writing project at the University of Alabama at Birmingham started in 2004 under the mm-hmm. directorship of Dr. Marion Manning and Dr. Bruce Macomiskey, who were wonderful, and uh, I was in the first group in 2004. Oh wow! And uh, loved being a part of the inaugural group. Uh, could not get enough of being with people who love writing just as much as I did. In 2008, Dr. Manning pulls out an envelope and the back of the envelope were her notes. And one of the check boxes was, Tanya will take over the project. So uh, the white envelope, I saw her with that note. and uh, Here we go. Um, You're going to take over the project now. I said, really? She said, yes. And I said, OK. So I was a teacher in residence and an instructor at the university at the time. And uh, so uh, Dr. Manning had been running the project for four years, and it was an amazing experience. And I, But I delivered it differently in that um, we did more year round professional development uh, with some concentration in the summer, but also a concerted effort to do uh, more work year round. It was just a natural progression of a project, right? You just grow and learn how to do, so there I think uh, with the project, much like you, I have enjoyed so much um a lot of the opportunities, and one is, I'd say, is the co-leading and the uh collaboration, you know, the idea that uh, we're in this together, and all of our ideas matter. And how do we put all of our ideas together to create something beautiful? And so that collaborative spirit has been how we've run the project over the last years. Uh, so since 2008, I've been the director and we have been uh, creating and designing. Um, and if I had to use another C word, crying all together, <laughs> crying because of the work we've done together and um, sometimes how emotional it can be because we're we're in this right? The funding for the writing project, um, has diminished over the years from a federal standpoint. And so we also had to use another C word being creative to come up with ways to keep the project alive and how creative can we be and how can we connect to our community in ways in which we don't, um, the work is still very appreciated and still high quality, even though we don't always have the same direct funding that we had before. So, um, actually we've had to be, um, depend on each other uh, more and more and uh, decide how we can continue the legacy of the, the project and um, be even more involved with the communities that we serve and the children. Uh, so it's been a, it's been a really good ride, but uh, you know, we do summer camps um, in the project. We do professional development like you in the project and, um, But we've also decided uh, we've written grants. We've had an advanced institute on grant writing to try to figure out what are ways in which we can still connect to the communities. And the the teachers have taken that skill into their own schools and gotten their own grants. So, you know, it's just been an amazing ride, I'd say, Um, and then created their own anthologies um, and, and connected with some wonderful community partners. So the, the writing project, to me, I would have to say, Margaret, Mary, has been a lifeline for me as a professor at the institution. And even though, um, and, and even through this entire ride, you know, I, I would not have taken not one thing away from how we've developed as a site. And I'd, I'd say that every opportunity we've had to become stronger has definitely made us stronger. And uh, and we're just a, a really tight-knit group of teachers trying to make a difference in this world through our writing through our communication through the use of technologies and just really staying connected with the people we serve and that's that's what i think um you got any questions about any of that because i have some questions for you but we can do yeah. that offline.
2: i i could probably talk about um, the writing project forever so i'm going to add another c word you were called maybe anointed but you were called to do this work and uh I'm a spiritual woman. Sometimes that's what happens in my life. And it's always so connected to education. Um, Advanced institutes on writing grants. That's brilliant. Um, We steal ideas. I'm a shameless opportunist. And so one of the things that we've done in the past um, is we have writing marathons and we open it up on a Saturday on the LSU campus. Uh, You know, we have to secure the room and get facility services to open the door and all those little things logistical issues. But for me, it's such an amazing experience to have a group of people, past institute people, um, sometimes academics, my colleagues, sometimes just teachers in the field who just want to come. And we're not writing together. We're not collaborating. We're just all writing in the same s- shared space, sort of like an early childhood, the notion of coplay. So we're all writing. And it it always leaves me amazed at those kind of events. Um, so yeah, it, we have had to be much more creative um, because federal dollars have have dried up. So, um, but I love that creativity. I love what you shared. Um, and that sense of community came through so strong. Um, it's just exciting to, just to hear about it.
1: Same here, same here, you know, and the, another C word, committed, that's you, right? Being committed. And uh you know, it's just really interesting when you're the the writing project way, and I always say this, the writing project way is a way that um, it should be, you know the 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 support, the encouragement, the growth that takes place um, within that, uh, some of the things that we do in, in this world, it, punitive consequences are, are used. But what happens when you're in an environment where supportive encouragement is the way? And not so much the uh, the punitive if you don't do. How about if you can do and will do, then this will happen. And I love that spirit about the writing project.
2: I'm I'm with you. Uh and, and Tanya, when you talk about that and you talked about the emotion in writing, I am always reminded on how personal writing is. And Inevitably, um, whether it's a, uh, an advanced institute that, that we're conducting or it's the Invitational Summer Institute or it's a writing marathon, somebody always wants to share and there's always tears. And it's, it's tears of joy, it's sadness, it's the emotion that comes through with writing. And I am always so in awe of those kinds of moments where, where people are vulnerable enough but also, where the environment has been created or fostered, encouraged, any word you want, where people feel like they can share their writing. And then to see that exchange between writers, um, it's so powerful. It's, it's absolutely um, mind blowing to me how that continues to happen. And I always have a little bit of fear like, okay, is this going to be another good writing project? Are we going to be able to, to reach that, that level of trust? Um, are people going to want to share freely? And I'm never, ever disappointed.
1: Absolutely.
2: Absolutely. You need to come to Birmingham.
0: <laughs> Maybe you need to come to, Bat- Maybe you need to, like, come to Baton Rouge. <laughs> can, can you guys just talk to all of us every single day? I The only way I can describe this is I feel so warm and fuzzy. Like I really feel affirmed and feel happy. And like you said, writing is so powerful. And, and yes, Margaret Mary, you wanted the job. And yes, Dr. Perry, you were voluntold. <laughs> However, you still <laughs> came together and have this really beautiful shared vision, talking about shared ownership um, within the, the writing space. And when you said, Dr. Perry, that the writing project is, is the way it should be, 100%. One hundred percent. So thank you. I, I mean, I do have another question about the actual writing project. Um, so I'm excited to hear more gems that you have. Um, you you both started to talk about a little bit about how you shifted uh, the writing project coming in. Margaret Mary, you said that you know it it, you, it was no longer that you are uh, the 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 leader is the expert we are all experts in this space and Dr. Perry you talked about the really cool exciting year-round things that you started to do and bringing in the community are there any other shifts that you've seen in the writing project since you joined or where do you think the writing project is moving in the next five years the next 10 years down the line what are your thoughts around that um Dr. Perry we'll start with you
1: You know, it's really interesting. So um, I'm on the National Writing Project Board of Directors right now and serving in that capacity to represent my colleague directors across the country. And, um, you know, everybody just rotates across the country um, and different people are chosen each year. So I'm real thankful to have the opportunity to uh, represent uh, other directors like margaret mary and across um, all the sites i think there are about 180 187 sites across the country right now so when i think about shifts i can't help but think about um one challenge that we have is that writing is not at the forefront i think of the national dialogue Um, I think that uh, writing has become a subtext to other areas where actually writing should be one of the main things we do because writing is thinking made visible. You know, it is an opportunity for us to be able to see how students and ourselves, how we think, and then also being able to re-engage and figure out where our own gaps might be. And others can also help us see where our gaps can be through the writing process. So it's a writing to learn and learning to write together, um, but it makes it such a strong discipline that can really, um, I think, transform our own learning if we put our time into teaching students and and also honing our own craft. It is not a secondary subject. It is a primary subject. Um, so I think that that's a shift. And I think that's a shift that is coming. I think that people will begin to... Um, re-engage in writing and see its importance and see how it transcends across all disciplines in a way that not all subjects do at one time. Um, so I think that that's a shift. The second shift I think will, will happen is that professional development for teachers across all content areas with writing will have a shift. I think that eventually we will begin to see uh, the professional development for what I call K-20 and K-25 you know a pre K25 um take a, a forefront and then i think that it is then that we'll be able to see the professional development and maybe even professional development monies follow us in that and even tied to like i said digital literacy global communication across all disciplines i think that that's a key area
2: um first of all i want to i want to say thanks for your service on the board um, I know that's got to be time consuming, but it it is awfully important to have directors represented. Um, and, and I share your sentiments. Um, you know, we're, we're in a highly politicized environment. And I think that education um, in many respects has become commodified. Um, so putting writing back at the focus, um, and I am seeing districts um, that are approaching the LSU writing project, and they want professional development. And crafting that um, has become somewhat of a challenge, because what I want to tell them is you have the expertise in your district. Listen to your teachers. Um, but that isn't always what what somebody wants to hear. They want somebody to come in and tell them how to do it. So um, I just think, you know, it's a good fight. Um, Sometimes I feel like I'm in good trouble all the time um, because I recognize that uh, how the writing project started and the genesis with teachers wanting more, um, more voice in what they did, um, it, it just leads me to always think about how are there opportunities um, to enhance professional development and how are there opportunities to remind people that reading and writing are interconnected. They, they can't be taught separately. And so it's looking for those, those openings, looking for those opportunities to, to remind people um, that there are ways to infuse writing into every single discipline. You're so right, Tanya, when you say writing is a reflection of what we're thinking. Uh, and it's powerful. It's a powerful language um, process. And I, I just remain optimistic that there are ways that we can continue to remind the people some of the decision makers and beyond um, that writing cannot be short shrifted that it's as important as any of the 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 literacies that we possess.
1: Absolutely.
0: it's. So interesting to hear what you are saying, as I am, you know, currently a doctoral student designing my dissertation that is going to be focused on an elementary writing workshop, and I am doing my literature review and going back to these foundational texts, these seminal works, Don Graves, Donald Murray, Nancy Atwell, you know, that were written in the late 70s and early 80s, and then the National Council of Teachers of English uh, releases a position statement on the instruction of writing a month ago, and they're saying the same thing that these scholars were saying 40 years ago. Writing is important. We need to prioritize it. There it is a reflection of our thinking. And so listening to you, I'm like, absolutely, 100 percent this is still an issue. And I hear you starting to talk about, you know, ways that we can tackle that challenge, but do you have any other insights? So like, what really, how are we gonna move the country in the direction that our young writers are getting the instruction that they need? Dr. Sun-Tigdao, can you start us off?
2: I think that's a, a, an excellent question. And I look to some of the work that is done um, informal education, um, some of the projects that are being created with community writers and writing outside um, of the actual school day or the school building. Um, And so I'm reminded of two movements um, that sort of came about um, after Hurricane Katrina decimated the city of New Orleans um, and there was an influx of really bright, committed young people who were brought to the city as teachers, and and that in itself is um, perhaps the nicest way I can say what happened. Um, what really happened was every single teacher was laid off um, and then fired, and it it decimated um, the black middle class in the city. But out of that, um, you know, I'm always looking for these silver linings the same way that um, Tanya talked about the pandemic had some silver linings Um, big class started and big class evolved into 826 and that is an after-school program for children and I love how that's become a movement and it, it sometimes people will say well it's a backdoor movement and I you know However you get in, it doesn't matter. You, you want to climb in the window, it doesn't matter. You don't always have the front door open to you, um, especially in education. And I see really bright spots. Um, I see districts in Louisiana that are prioritizing writing, that understand um, the reading and writing connection. And you're right, Kylie, that is not new research. Um It is seminal research, I'm not gonna call it old, I don't like that word old anymore, Um, but it's it's foundational or seminal research. And it's just reminding folks of how important that particular body of research is. Um, So I remain hopeful um, that there are enough committed educators. Um, I named a few. Um, Rich Meyer in New Mexico, his Counter Narratives book was really about helping um, Mexican American children talk about their stories and reminding them that their stories were important and so I see that happening in pockets all over um, it continues to excite me how how people find ways to provide those counter narratives or counter stories and so I think it's important
1: and uh, I just finished um, a piece with uh, Darnita Ball who is a professor emeritus at Uh, Stanford University, along with um, three amazing writers. Um, And of course, uh, just giving some homage to people who've done this work before. Uh, But particularly when we talk about writing and the hope for writing and how we can move writing forward, you know, one of the first things, Margaret, Mary, that you've been talking about is an appreciation for language, right? An appreciation for all language and this idea is in uh, this piece we just wrote it's not published yet it's the moving the work of multicultural education uh, the foundational work written by many people but also building on James Banks work about multicultural education and moving to making multicultural um, a more active word and do more like multicultural rating you know this idea of making it a verb you know, an act of doing in the, on this piece. And it was written with um, three other, uh, in addition to Dr. Ball, written with three other people uh, who are scholars. And one is Joaquin Muniz of uh, Canada, who writes about indigenous peoples. And another is uh, Dr. Tracy Flores, who talks about the Latinx community. And then uh, Dr. Tierra McMurtry, who talks about black English. And uh, this idea of, appreciating the language. And of course, April Baker Bell's work on linguistic justice. You know, this idea of being able to take the writing and the reading and the the communities uh, and the language of the communities and honoring those communities for the language patterns and the uh, rich ideas that come from that community, instead of seeing them as deficits, seeing them as additive and appreciating them as their first language of the children, and then being able to build um, on their language and, their, and honoring the language that comes from their parents and their ancestors in that in that space is so important. And it doesn't mean that uh, the the language that we have that we write with in school is not being taught. What we're saying is is that the language of our students is very important, just as important as the language that we teach traditionally in school. And so having uh, students come in with an appreciation in their, of their communities and building on that love that they have for the language, um, I think will help us move our writing forward. You know, it, it's, a, it's a way in which we can all learn. As a teacher, you can have an appreciation for the home language of our students and the, at the same time, teach them the language of the, um, of, of the school. But, um, you know, traditionally, we haven't always done that. We've downplayed the language of home, but it also then means that we don't necessarily um, appreciate the language of the communities that we serve and that we have in our schools. So I just say that I have hope for um, writing and being able to speak and being able to uh, have all of the language language and languages, plural, appreciate it and this idea of multiculturating move forward through even reading and writing and speaking. I love that you said that
2: the language of children and maybe their home language or their mother tongue is just as important as the language that we we try to encourage in school. Um that is that is a message that we need to hear over and over and over again. And I'll tell you a little story because I kind of learn by stories. Um one day I was sharing with a group of middle school children, um, Mildred Taylor's book, um, The Gold Cadillac. Um, and I think it, there was a little volume it was called, there was the story, The Friendship and then The Gold Cadillac. And one of my students, um, a, a, a black student, he said to me, oh, they write like I talk. And I said, well, yeah, maybe I know. Um, I thought you might enjoy this story. And he, he said, I've never read my kind of talk in a book. And it was one of those lightning moments for me um, where I felt affirmed by what I was doing, but also reminded me of the importance of children hearing their own stories, hearing their own language, and as educators valuing that. And that's a that's an important that's an important message that I just think we need to keep writing about, talking about, saying about um, especially when we talk about indigenous languages and and the tremendous loss of indigenous languages and looking at some of the statistics where native indigenous speakers um, are all over the age of 75 and how so many nations and tribes are trying to um, recreate or create language nests so um, it's really important And, you know, as someone, you know, as a white woman, um, you know, people might say, well, why is that important for everybody? It's absolutely important for everybody to understand the importance of language. Um, There's no two ways about it. Um, And and I'm reminded of one of my students, um, a recent doctoral student. He is a member of the HOMA nation. And so that's an indigenous group that moved around Louisiana. They're now located outside of Homa, Louisiana and uh, one day after class uh, we were each having a cup of coffee because we were commuting at the time. Um, I was commuting between Baton Rouge and New Orleans and he between Baton Rouge and going back to Homa. And and I said to him I said what is what is the native language sound like um, for Homa and he said you know, we all speak French. (laughs) I just, I could have cried. Um, It's haunted me. It's haunted me. Now, since that time, I've I've come to understand that um, the Homa Nation has come together and they know certain words and they're trying to recreate um, a small dictionary of words that they all say and nobody else understands unless you're, you are Homa. But I think the lesson there is to help Children and teachers understand that language is language. It's created to convey ideas and reconstruct, you know, the speaker's intended meaning. And when you said it's just as important, absolutely, you know, we need to focus on that, um, on that issue of language. And it, it comes through in writing all the time. I love to read children's writing. And when they say, I know I could say this a different way, it's like, nah, the way you said it was perfect you've got the right words, you've got the right way of saying it, and it's your language. So I just think that's an important, a reminder, a lesson reminder, it's, it's an important element.
0: Thank you for those insights, those incredibly powerful insights, listening to you, especially around the importance of honoring the languages that our young people are bringing from home. I'm reminded I am rereading um, Other People's Children by the brilliant Lisa Delpit, and in her book, she highlights a teacher uh, who works with indigenous um, students in Alaska, and the way she works with them when they're writing in the two languages is she says, you know, I know we have our really beautiful home language, but there's another language that we need to need to know too. And isn't it so sad that those people only speak that language? that we have these two, isn't it, we have these two beautiful languages that we can speak in. They only have that one. It's sad. Isn't that sad for them, right? But we're going to learn both, and then maybe we can start to teach them our language as well, so that they can be as lucky as we are that we're able to speak in these, um, in both these languages. Um, So thank you for those insights. People listen to that. The languages that we bring from home are important, and we should be honoring them. Um, Okay, so you've shared so much about what You've done that. Your insights are beautiful. Can you tell us what are you working on now, Dr. Perry? What are you working on now?
1: Well, uh, one thing is the, the multiculturating piece that um, we're working on as a team. Uh, but I'm. I think uh, one piece I'm working on now is called "Writing Ain't My Thing," <laughs> and uh, it's been a. Uh, it's based on. Uh, being in a school, a high school for four years um, because writing had pre- been presented as something that was uh, separate and apart from who the students were. And there was very little connection to writing or the writing process. So when we first started working, my students, uh, my college students and I, who were going to be teachers, um, started working with the students We heard over and over again, you know, writing ain't my thing, right? So uh, working on that piece uh, and uh, it has a lot of data with it, but quantitatively, they actually were able to uh, increase in the scores that they needed to get into college. But at the same time, we taught them in ways in which we respected the language of home and use that as a way to... um, not, I don't want to levelize language. I want to keep language equal. I don't want the home language to seem as if it's not equal with the language we teach at school. So I want to use this language of teaching their home language and using that bilaterally as a way to teach this, the, the language that school also teaches, right? And um, they were successful overall, but it's a, a study in how do we teach English, and this was in a predominantly uh, African American uh, school, in a way that does honor the students and that also helps them get where they want to go, um, because they are able to um, use the languages uh, 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 in in ways in which benefit them in both spaces, right? And being able to use their their home language even in academic spaces in ways that can uh, be very Descriptive, and um, and I just I just love the study, but I've been sitting on it for a while. That's one thing that I'm writing on, working on. So, I'll do this piece with Dr. Tierra McMurtry, but keep looking for it. Eventually, it'll come out. I hope uh, with writing ain't my thing. I
2: I think you just channeled um, your inner Zora Neale Hurston on that one. I love to read her writing. Um, and I love to to ask some of my students to read it. Um, and when they struggle, I'll say that perhaps is what some of your students are also struggling with. They have a home language that's viable, that's very important, that works well for them in their home, in their community, in their in their churches. And then they come to school and I don't want them to feel bad. I don't want them to feel like their language is less. That's really important. Um, So I've been working on several pieces and one is a little bit related to what you said. Um, the, the school landscape in New Orleans, it's an all charter district. And so it's it's very um, different in terms of navigating it. Um, but I had been working on a volunteer basis in a charter school that's called, um, this is not the name of it, but it's referred to as a last chance school. So it's for young people of high school age, um, that for some reason their education has been interrupted, and so sometimes it's interrupted um, because of of family issues. Sometimes um, students become young parents, and they need to um, they need to figure out how to negotiate both worlds. And sometimes it's for students who who have been failed by other schools. And so I keep asking this question when I go in, and I say. I say to the students, um, what's the last thing you wrote? And I get the same response, in school or out of school? So I think our young people are using language in ways we never imagined. Um, I think that they are quite astute at communicating. And I think that as educators, we need to recognize that they are writing a great deal outside of school and how do we take that, how do we take that and expand some of our pedagogical practices? So that's one thing I've been working on. It's percolating, I'm just gathering stories. Um, But Kylie, I'm also working on some political pieces. Um, I think that it's up to us to figure out, we talk to each other well as academics, how do we talk to other audiences that are impacting what happens in education. And that is a delicate dance, to say the least. Um, I find uh, that I feel like Edgar Allan Poe, I have to pick my words so carefully um, when when writing to an audience of politicians and policymakers and expanding writing um, so that I'm not just writing academic pieces, but I'm speaking to a wider audience, and um, I struggle with both of those those pieces that I'm working on right now. Um, I'm more focused on the, polit- the political pieces and how to reach this wider audience, whether it's through white papers or letters to the editor, and a couple of years ago, um, Pete Smagorinsky started to do this um, on a really high level. He would write Letters to the editor, <laughs> just to see how many times he could get he could get his message out, and and I look to that as a model. So that that's what I'm working on right now, that, some political pieces.
0: Well, I can't wait to read. Writing ain't my thing, <laughs> and I can't wait to read these beautiful political pieces. Um, we are coming to the end of our time, but I just wanted to know: is do you have any lingering thoughts that you want to share?
1: I do have to give a shout out to the National Council of Teachers of English. Um, I'm the incoming vice president. And uh, so I just wanted to give a shout out to them and to all the English teachers and members, educators who are members of the organization. And I look forward to um, being with all of them and doing the best job I can to represent them.
2: That's excellent. So you're headed to Anaheim in a a couple of weeks, right? (laughs)
1: Okay, that'll be fun. <laughs> Absolutely. I hope I get a chance to see both of you, if not in Anaheim, in one of the upcoming conferences and some of the other workshops and the shout out to all of our listeners. you know,
0: <laughs> I place. will be there. Yeah. I am presenting. So okay. I hope to see you there. Absolutely. Stop me anytime. I
1: will. <laughs>
2: And and I, I just think my final thought would be um, for teachers and writers um, to remember that they are not alone in this struggle, that we are so much more powerful together, and that professional organizations can sometimes be the homes um, that we're looking for um, in our professional lives. So uh, that's always served me well and um oh tanya good luck that's a big job <laughs> you have two big jobs um just that we know of we're not even talking about your regular jobs um or your home jobs but um i, I think ncte and the national writing project um have really been blessed to have you decide to serve that way so i just want to thank you
1: well i i really appreciate you for saying that and uh... Kylie and Margaret
0: Mary, I will be calling. Please answer the telephone. <laughs> anytime. Please, please, anytime. Well, I wish that we had more time to learn from you, brilliant, brilliant scholars who are doing the very important and often overlook, overlooked work of building up writers. But hopefully, today, um, folks have learned ways to make writing our baby's things, both in school and out of school. Okay, so thank you once more to the brilliant Dr. Tanya B Perry. Thank you once more to the brilliant Dr. Margaret Mary Selentic Dow. So appreciate you guys. Thank you. Okay. Thank, thank you. you.